This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Again, this is Faraz Siddiqui. We're going to have a very special guest on the podcast today, Andrew Filipponi. Uh, he is on 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh. He talks all things Steelers. You probably have seen him on Twitter at the Pony Express. That's Pony with an I. Um, after the talk is after we're done talking with Andrew, I'm going to kind of reflect on what he said. Um, you know, a few things that he did say. Um, you know, and you know, could reflect on that for fantasy. Okay, so make sure to stay tuned after our conversation because I'll be continuing the podcast. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Sadiqi. I have a very, very, very special guest in the house, Andrew Filipponi. Thanks for joining us, man. You bet. You can catch Andrew on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. He's on FanDuel TV. He has a lot going on. You can find him on Twitter at the Pony Express. That's Pony with an I. Uh, he took out a, a little bit of this very busy time of year to give us a scoop on several topics that us fantasy football fans for us fantasy football fans. Uh, Andrew, the most interest, you know, for us, like you know, this preseason has been Kenny Pickett. He's been literally perfect this preseason. His his passer rating is a perfect one of fifty eight point three. What have you seen from him this offseason, training camp, preseason, and what kind of jump? Are you expecting him to make this year? Well, yeah, I think he's going to end up being a quarterback that throws for over 4,000 yards. Uh, I think he's going to quadruple his passing touchdown total. So he had seven last year in 13 games. The Steelers had uh, the worst passing uh, offense in terms of touchdowns generated last year. They only had 12 the entire season. So that's clearly going to change. So I see that number going from seven to the high 20s. Uh, I don't think it would be out of the question for him to have, by the numbers, a season that resembled uh, Geno Smith's or Jared Goff's last year. I think that that's in the cards for him. I think he'll throw in some rushing touchdowns too. He had three last year. I think he can even double that. So it won't be for fantasy players, it won't look like Jalen Hurts' big second year as a starter jump where there's the 13 rushing touchdowns, but he will have a huge season and he will be, from a traditional quarterback standpoint, one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. 
Wow, I, I love that. Because, listen, if he's going to be, from an NFL perspective, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year, that means he's going to be fantasy relevant. And as of right now, he's not being drafted anywhere close to being a quote-unquote fantasy relevant player. He's being drafted yeah. uh, as a top 24 quarterback, but we're only, dra- we're only starting 10 to 14 quarterbacks a week in most leagues. But I can totally see a situation where by the end of the league, by the, by the end of the year, we are looking for him looking at him like a Geno Smith, right? Somebody who just kind of, you know, Geno Smith took forever. The Jets ruined him. But Kenny Pickett landed in the perfect spot with a good organization behind him. And, and it seems like he took that big big step. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens this year. Now, moving on to this offense as a whole, you know, one of the criticisms of Matt Canada's offense last year was the lack of route variety for these talented wide receivers, right? A lot of go routes, kind of inexplicably, you know, especially early on in the year. Deontay Johnson, he can win on any route in the route tree. We've seen his average depth of target actually increase a little bit this preseason. Should we be expecting Canada, you know, to bring some more variety this year, you know, in that respect? And as a result, can we expect Deontay Johnson's yardage to potentially see a spike obviously zero touchdowns last year that never happens you know for a wide receiver who gets that many targets it's just it's an outlier type of year but we know that those targets are going to be there we know the receptions are going to be there but are we going to see a big spike in the yardage because he might just be used a little bit better so uh i think that deontay johnson kind of is what he is i mean his numbers with ben were very similar to what they were with uh trubisky and pickett He's a guy that gets open around the line of scrimmage. He's somebody to me that I think will be the second option in their passing game. I think that Pickett will go to George Pickens, not only for more explosive plays, but I think he'll go to Pickens more often. Uh, It's not the thing you see on most fantasy big boards, but I would advise people, regardless of format, PPR or otherwise, to take Pickens over Johnson. Because I think not only will he have the touchdowns, but I think he'll have the volume as well. I think there were very few games last year where Pickens caught more than five balls. I think that he will be, by the end of the year, uh, a guy that has 1,200 to 1,300 yards and maybe even double-digit touchdowns. So I think he's going to be the beneficiary of Pickett's transformation. Uh, I think Johnson will settle in as the number two. I think he'll... You know, he, he had big-time catch issues, hand issues two years ago where he had one of the highest drop rates in football. Last year, you mentioned the touchdown thing. I don't, I don't hate the player. I'm not in love with him. I don't think that there's – I don't think he'll get red zone targets at all. Uh, I think Pickens and Fryermuth and even Darnell Washington, who they brought in in the draft, and then the running backs will eat those away from him. So I think he'll have a very low touchdown total. It'll probably be fewer than five. Um, and I don't see in the cards for him a lot of double-digit catch games like we saw in the past where either Roethlisberger or whoever wanted to get the ball to him because he was the best guy at getting open. I think Pickens comes to the forefront here this year. So that's the guy I'd bank on. I think Pickens will be a top 20 fantasy receiver, bottom, low end of things, and I think I think Johnson will be like a wide receiver two slash wide receiver three for fantasy players. Wow, that's that's huge right there because that would just completely be, you know, the flip, the, the script would be completely fit, flip from what we saw last year. Deion, you know, George Pickens had an extremely low target share last year. Fryermuth, uh, Pat Fryermuth was 
out-targeting him, out-produced him. Uh, and then now going into this preseason, Deontay Johnson still seemed to be that guy with the high target share, with the high air yard share, um, you know, even with, you know, when the ones were on the field. So that's super interesting to me. You probably have seen some things maybe in camp or something to, to, to uh, you know, this might be a different situation going into this year. That's super interesting. I'm a big fan of Deontay Johnson. I think he's one of the best route runners in the league. Um, so from what I've seen in preseason, you know, I've figured like, damn, this is a, this is a high target share. Kenny Pickett's going to go to him. If Kenny Pickett takes a step forward, I'm like, man, Deontay Johnson, he's going to go crazy. But it seems like we got our eyes need to be on George Pickens. I love that. I love that. Now, moving on to the tight end room, you mentioned Pat Frymuth. And one of my breakout candidates this year at the tight end position is Pat Frymuth. And it's partly because he's had a historic first two seasons in the NFL in terms of receptions. And this third year coming up is a big one. Can you speak to the connection that you've seen between him and Pickett this offseason training camp? Do you see him taking that big leap? And also, while a lot of what rookie Darnell Washington brings as a blocker, there's a lot of talk of him being a potential red zone target as well. Uh, I'm wondering if he'll impede on Frymuth at all, or do you think we should still be betting on Pat Frymuth regardless? So Fryermuth is a, is a hard player for me to evaluate because I think that he showed at Penn State that he can be a really good downfield target. Um, he's had some concussion issues, and he's frankly last year especially dropped more footballs than I thought he would uh, in the league. I thought his rookie year with Ben, there was a lot to build on there. I honestly thought from what I expected from him, that he kind of took a step back last year. They never threw to the middle of the field. That was one of my big gripes with this team. They didn't attack the middle. So when you are a team that's allergic to throwing over the middle of the field, you pretty much phase your tight end out of the offense. Now, I don't think that they have the same uh, fear of doing that this year because of Pickett's growth. So I do think that that space will be open. I'm just thinking that Friermuth and Allen Robinson are going to keep each other's numbers down. I think they're going to split those kind of intermediate, middle-of-the-field routes. And I think for fantasy players, I think that's good for the Steelers to have multiple options. I think Pickett wants to spread the ball around and keep defenses honest. But I think from a fantasy perspective, it's hard because you don't want to see that. You don't want to see two guys, basically, if there's – you know, 70 of those catches to go around. If one guy has 30 and one guy has 40, I mean, to me, those are those are rosterable, rosterable players, but they're not guys you'd want to start in your fantasy lineup. So I see like Fryermuth is kind of a fringe tight end one in a lot of these leagues. And I think it'll be more passing offense than maybe the outside world thinks, uh, given the Najee Harris pick and what Tomlin has maybe said on the record about wanting to run the ball. But I, I just personally, even though I'm a big fan of the player, I've got reservations about Fryermuth. I don't have him pegged as a guy that's going to see his production tick up and you know enter that echelon with you know the Mark Andrews and Hawkinsons where you're right below Travis Kelsey. And then Washington, to be honest with you, like when he got to camp, I had heard that from a you know as as far as someone that was going to be involved in the offense. It was going to be a baby steps thing. He was going to be a sixth offensive lineman and a big blocker. But I think he showed enough in practice in preseason where they're actually going to use him a little bit more in that regard. And he's a much better blocking tight end than Friermuth. So I actually think 
It might not manifest this year, but I think in the next year or two, Washington will take over as the Steelers' number one tight end. I think they're that high on the guy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Even as pass catching tight end, huh? That's interesting. Well, well, they keep bringing up the fact that the reason why he wasn't involved in the passing game at Georgia was because they had Bowers, who's going to be the tight end that goes in the top ten in the draft. He's going to get picked like Kyle Pitts. Right. And their their offensive coordinator Todd Mockin, who's now with the Ravens, basically looked at it and said, "We have an embarrassment of riches. We run the ball so well, we can pretty much do whatever we want." And they were, I guess, not. I guess careless is the wrong word, but they didn't really care to develop Washington as someone that was involved in their offense that way. Like, I think he caught 45 balls total his entire yeah, his career, career there and was very, very um, – he was largely ignored when they got down near the goal line. But just hearing – just from what I've heard with the Steelers, they think he's got potential to be a lot more than that. Yeah, that, that, that's super interesting to me. You know, Pat Firemuth, you know, with Kenny Pickett last year, his yards per reception increased from 8.3 to 11.6, similar amount of receptions, yeah. uh, but just, you know, a lot, three, almost 300 more yards last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can make that that jump this year. Uh, and they do play a lot of 11 personnel. They're going to, right? They brought in Allen Robinson. Um, but one guy I wanted to ask you about, man, you know, Allen Robinson, you know, currently the primary slot receiver. You know, when I was at the Senior Bowl last year, I saw Calvin Austin up close. And, and this dude's route running is serious, man. Like the way that he separates, no joke. Right? He's a small dude, but he knows how to separate. Is there any way that we see Austin take some snaps away from Robinson at some point this year? Do you think he'll just be a rotational player for the most part this year as long as A-Rob stays healthy? Um, and maybe just touch on how you think A-Rob uh, and, that, and this slot you know, receiver role is going to affect this offense. We haven't seen this slot receiver role play a whole, a big impact lately, you know, for the Steelers for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, just curious how you think it, it'll, it'll manifest itself. Well, I think they like bigger physical slot guys. I think that's what, that's where Juju played in this offense. And I think Allen Robinson fits that description. So he obviously won't get the targets that Juju did his last year here before he left for Kansas city, where, you know, before that injury, before he hurt his shoulder, he was, you know, a guy that was getting 100 targets a year. I mean, that obviously won't happen. That's not Allen Robinson anymore. Um, I just hearing the way that Kenny Pickett has talked about Robinson and just seeing some of the early returns in the preseason, I think he's going to be more involved than I initially expected. I think he's going to be someone that he looks at on third downs. I think he trusts him. I think there's a respect factor there. I feel like the organization thinks that things went off the rails so bad in LA last year. The Cooper Cup injury, you know, it's just he was a fish out of water there. He just never really connected in that offense. So it's a far cry from what he was in Chicago even two or three years ago and what he was in Jacksonville before that. But I do think he has a role. You know, Austin, I'm a big fan of. You know, I can't stop thinking about what Sauce Gardner said about Austin. He said of all the guys he defended in college, he thought Austin was the hardest cover. And this is a guy that played Alabama 
in the college football playoff and all their receivers. Um, he's so small, but he's so fast and shifty. Like I initially thought he would be more of a, a slot guy, but they've really used him as an outside guy, as just a guy that just, hey, just run, just go. And I think they're going to probably put in the playbook a, f- a few of those kind of go balls a game where at least he takes defenders with him or a safety with him and might not get the ball. And then I think they'll do some gimmicky jet sweep stuff too where they hand the ball off to him and get him to use his like legs on outside runs. So I think the only way he really becomes a factor um, in fantasy is if there's an injury to Pickens or Johnson. And I think in that situation, he would actually become the outside receiver and they would keep Robinson inside. And he would actually probably get elevated from the fourth wide receiver in this offense to the second. I could see that. Okay. Uh, let's move to this backfield. Uh, one of my, you know, the guys I'm looking at a little bit late is Jalen Warren, right? And when I'm looking at running backs, you know, when watching this backfield, it's really not, it's really hard to not want to want to have Jalen Warren get more touches, right? He had a very efficient rookie year. He's very versatile. He had a role in passing downs last year. At one point, he was the primary third down back uh, while while Najee was getting healthy. Najee did end up taking his two-minute roll back. But this preseason he's, preseason, he's been mixing in on early downs, too. Should we be looking at that as something to look for come week one? Like, is Jalen Warren going to have a bigger role this year and potentially eat into Najee's workload a little bit? Yes, because he's better than Najee. Um, he's going to be someone – we saw it in the preseason. They didn't treat – and this is out of Tomlin's – comfort zone they didn't treat Jalen Warren like he was a backup running back now Najee started games and got like the first touch each time but he was in Warren was in on those first possessions uh Najee got taken out for him Warren scored a long touchdown which Najee Najee can't do Warren had a 62 yard touchdown Najee does not have that explosiveness where he runs away from people uh Warren is in my opinion a better pass blocker so that makes him on passing down someone that you would consider equally to Najee, even though he caught all those footballs from Ben his rookie year. Uh, he's no less physical than Najee. He hits holes harder than Harris does. He doesn't dance around. I think offensive linemen prefer blocking for Warren because he goes with the play that's called. Um, and I think Tomlin is slowly but surely coming around to that. Uh, Warren didn't have to stay out there with the twos and the second units in these preseason games. He got starter uh, kind of privilege and treatment. So, you know, I've seen where Nashi has gone in these fantasy drafts. I think he's gone absurdly high. Uh, I think what people do is they look at his, his workload the last two years and just blindly assume, oh, the Steelers will be better this year. He's going to get more touches. He's a former first round pick. I would not do that. I would I would not overdraft Nashi, and I would look in the middle to late rounds of drafts to steal Warren because I think you might end up with a guy who by the third or fourth week of the year it's flipped and he's actually getting more opportunities than Nashi is. I really believe that. And for a while, people here thought I was crazy and on an island with that. But after watching both running backs in the preseason, I think people now look at it like, it's a 60-40 situation at the very moment and very quickly could turn into 50-50 or Jalen Warren's backfield. 
I love that, man. You know, as a rookie last year, fourth among all rookie running backs in yards after contact per attempt, third among rookie running backs in missed tackles, fourth per rush, and third among them in yards per route run. So he's doing it in the rush, running game and the receiving game um, and definitely more efficient than Najee Harris. Najee Harris had a huge rookie year, but it was mostly because of straight-up volume. Like He was on yep. the field for like 90% of snaps, if not more, um, and that's not happening anymore. So now... I'm worried about the two-minute roll. I'm worried about uh, the passing downs. And now the fact that he was in on multiple first downs with the first team in the preseason uh, has me a little bit concerned as well. I have also not been drafting Najee as high. Um, is this a Tony? Now, I know that Najee Harris isn't as old as Zeke Elliott when Tony Pollard took over, but this kind of reminds me of a Tony Pollard-Zeke situation. I Well, and, and see, I've gotten in trouble here because people have brought up that backfield as like the ideal scenario oh this could be an elliot pollard one-two punch and i'm like no it wouldn't be because in dallas the wrong guy was getting more touches up until uh zeke's injury last year and so you're hurting yourself if you're giving those inefficient runs to Najee harris instead of jalen warren so i hope that it's not that i want to see warren be more of the workhorse and Najee may be more of the guy who spells him, although I think it would probably take a Najee injury for that to happen. And then Warren runs away with the job and Tomlin just goes with the hot hand. I think it would take something like that for it to turn into like a 75-25 situation. But I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm myth- mystified by where Najee gets picked in drafts. Like I was in a fantasy draft today where J.K. Dobbins went three rounds after Najee. And I'm like, thank you for giving right. me your money because you guys clearly aren't paying attention to these things. I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm big on J.K. Dobbins this year too, man. I really am. Uh, <laughs> so much insight, Andrew. I really, really appreciate it. Our listeners definitely appreciate it as well. Uh, hey, I got a quick question for you before, before hell I yeah, Hell yeah, I got, hell yeah. Let's I, was, do it. I was thinking about this. I have to rely on your expertise for this, right? So you, you've probably talked about this philosophically with your, with your people all the time. When you're in a league where it's six points for a passing touchdown instead of four. How does that sh- shift the way you put your draft board together? Uh, I'm does willing it? to uh, – very little, very little, to be honest. Uh, I I tend to be okay with drafting guys like Mahomes, uh, guys who don't have extreme rushing potential like Mahomes, like the Herberts, like those guys, I'm willing to draft them a little bit higher than I normally would, or even draft them at all, because I haven't been drafting a ton of Mahomes. I haven't been drafting a ton of uh, Justin Herbert, but I'm more willing to do it in the six-point passing touchdown format. I'm still targeting those other guys more. For example, Justin Fields. Am I, am I projecting him for a ton of passing touchdowns this year? I'm not. I think it will improve, but I don't think it's going to be you know, that significant of an improvement. Yeah. So, But I'm still targeting him at his price, over someone like Patrick Mahomes, who, who's gotcha. going two, th- three rounds ahead of him, right? Uh, but, you know, it does increase it just by a little bit. I would say that the rankings change a little bit as well. Um, I would I would probably put someone like Justin Herbert above Justin Fields, uh, especially this season, just because of the OC change, the weapons and all that kind sure. of stuff. But otherwise, probably flipping that. Gotcha. All right, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. 
I appreciate the question, man. And guys, you can find Andrew on Twitter at the Pony Express. That's a pony. That's Pony with an I. You can catch him on 93.7 The Fan. Andrew Filipponi, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Take it easy. Wow. That was a great conversation with Andrew. Uh, a lot of insight there. The George Pickens take, man, like that that's a big one right there. That's not one that I agree with personally. Um, I, I you know, I've also seen a lot of things on, you know, from Pittsburgh beat reporters and stuff like that that George Pickens is potentially going to take that next step forward, but I don't think that necessarily means that uh, it's going to come at the expense of Deontay Johnson as, as far as George Pickens taking this huge leap to the point where Deontay Johnson is number two. Now, you know, I do think that George Pickens can potentially be targeted more downfield and that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of like target share, I, I, I still think Deontay Johnson is going to be the number one there. Um, now, you know, if you're looking at even just this preseason, right, with Deontay Johnson, um, you look at the target share with the starters. 29% target share, okay? His ADOT increased as well to 14 yards. That's huge. 38% air yards. All of that, you know, the target share, 29% for him, 21% for George Pickens, 38% air yards for Deontay, 33% for George Pickens. You know, this is just kind of continuing the type of player that Deontay Johnson is, right? Um, he earns targets. He's been doing it his whole career, he did it last year. He was a clear number one elite target share last year, and we're seeing the same thing in the preseason with the first team with Kenny Pickett. Um, so the fact that he's also being targeted you know, further down the field means a lot, number one. Number two, obviously, we talked about on the show already with Andrew that Kenny Pickett looks like he's going to take this huge step forward. Right? He was of the opinion that Kenny Pickett's going to be one of the best real-life quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And, you know, it's looking like it. That's what we see in the, in the preseason. But we're also seeing that Deontay Johnson is still the guy that he prefers. Um, but George Pickens can still take a step forward, especially if Pickens can take a step forward. So I'm not off of Pickens. Um, I'm just not sure that he takes over as the number one wide receiver. We didn't see that in the preseason. Um, that's not necessarily what's all been coming out out of camp. So just wanted to kind of, you know, give that disclaimer because I just didn't want to leave it, you know, on that note. And then, you know, everyone starts fading Deontay Johnson because I can't personally fade a wide receiver getting 29% target share with an offense improving. He's going to get touchdowns this year. There's positive regression coming for him, um, you know, especially at his price. He's a potential league winner. So I, I just didn't want to leave it on that note. Um, now, after this episode, after talking to Andrew, uh, I think I have to pay attention to Pickens more. That's for sure. And I think I'm going to do that. Okay. So I think I'm going to be targeting Pickens a little bit more than I was. Uh, you know, that, than I was. I think that eighth, ninth round price tag for him is pretty good. I still think he can outproduce that ADP, especially if Kenny Pickett can take a step forward. He also had to take about Pat Frymuth and Allen Robinson splitting. Now, <laughs> I have an issue with that as well, right? Because... Allen Robinson is going to be in the slot, that power slot role. He's also not, he hasn't, he's never been a good zone wide receiver. And that's what slot receivers do really well. Juju was there before Robinson, right, in the slot uh, a couple years ago. And Juju was a very, very good uh, zone beater. Allen Robinson, one of the reasons why he could not do well in LA last year is because he couldn't beat the zone, right? And Unfortunately, the league is going to a lot of zone now. 
He's always been a man beater on the outside as an X receiver. He's been that guy. So he's also towards the tail end of his career. Um, and Bat Frymouth is a you know he's somebody that who who is a ascending player. Now I'm not trying to make this seem like you know Andrew came on here. He's 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 going against all my takes, so I have to refute all of that, and I can't change my opinion. Um, I'm not doing that. You know, that's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do here is just not leave you guys with, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit more context, right? I talked about Pat Frymuth as, as one of my, my guys this year, uh, in the last, in one of the last episodes. Um, you can take, you can listen to that and, and kind of understand why I feel that way. I, I just think that with Al Robinson kind of on the decline of his career, um, and then, you know, Fryman with on the incline of, of his career going into his third year. Um, you know, I think that you know he mentioned potentially them splitting sixty catches, thirty and thirty. Um, I'm not sure that that really pans out. Like it, 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 it's not something that I would. That's not the projections that I have. <laughs> I would say right. It's compl- It's very, very different. Now, I I do agree with him to an extent about Jalen Warren uh, being. <laughs> potentially being a better running back than Najee Harris, okay? Um, now, I would ca- caveat that with a few things, right? We haven't seen Jalen Warren take that full workload in the NFL. Najee Harris has done it, okay? The efficiency is going to go down there. Now, I, I do think that Najee Harris deserves a ton of touches, okay? I th- do think that I've called this backfield, and I did on the podcast too, that, that you know, this this looks like a Zeke, you know, Tony Pollard type of situation, right? So I do agree with him there. What I, what I don't agree with, I just I don't think this backfield is going to be flipped on its head, um, the way that he mentioned by week four, week five potentially not that this becomes a Jalen Warren one A backfield. Uh, I'm not sure if that happens. I think that only happens if Najee Harris were to get hurt. Um, even last year, Najee Harris was banged up. He was still the one A. Uh, by a good margin, right? He was actually the number one compared to Jalen Warren being the number two rather than a 1A, 1B situation, um, right? So if you're drafting Jalen Warren, um, I don't think he becomes a 1A. I, I do think there is a possibility that this becomes close to a 50-50, maybe a 55-45 uh, because I do think Jalen Warren is a very good player. So um, yeah, just wanted to you know give a little context, give a little recap on our conversation. Uh, but I really, really appreciate Andrew coming on, giving it his insight, and uh, you know I'm sure he's pretty locked in with a lot of you know Steelers stuff going on, being in Pittsburgh, talking to a lot of you know players, coaches, and beat reporters, and all that. So um, yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See ya.